Welcome to Then Let's Fix It, where we discuss critical issues around logistics and supply chain management in the Caribbean. But more than that, where we mobilize to resolve these issues so that we become some of the world's most attractive logistics jurisdictions. I'm your host, Collis Williams. Visit our website at rdleagle.com to join the discussion. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play. And when you're done, don't forget to leave us a review. In today's episode, I've invited Rashid Griffith. Rashid, I cannot wait for you to tell our listeners <laughs> about your experience, about where you've been, and how you now see the Caribbean from your vantage point. And Rashid is into fintech, financial technology, and I think it is very, very important that you bring some sort of a context because for some time now I've been advocating about the platform that needs to change regarding logistics in the Caribbean. But that must go hand in hand with a financial platform that will give our young, small entrepreneurs the opportunity to do and present themselves on the world market. And one of the biggest challenges we have today is not just a logistics challenge, but financial logistics. And I just want to open the floor, Rashid, for you to tell us, share with us your perspective, because I'm telling you, I'm telling my listeners, it's going to be interesting. Hi. Well, right now I work for a firm, law firm called Calvin P LLC. It's based in New York, okay. and there I do uh, specialized anti-money laundering analysis for clients who are mostly in Asia and also in the U.S. as well. Before that, I was working and living in the Philippines for over a year. Wow, interesting. Uh, primarily, again, doing anti-money laundering analysis and. Before that, I actually worked in Barbados for two years at a fintech startup here as well. Uh, I first got introduced to, let's say, Asia when I was invited by the Central Bank of Barbados to join the Barbados government delegation to China mm-hmm. on behalf for, to visit the government of Shanghai. And that was my first ever experience in Asia. I got there, realized something different is happening here than what I'm accustomed to. Even though I see in the US or Europe, it's a very different thing altogether, much more vibrant, much more dynamic. Mm-hmm. And from then, that kind of gave me the Asian bug, I guess. Yeah. And then I want to much go back there. So now I actually do a lot of work in Asia as well and travel through Asia um, as well. I'm also a research fellow at a think tank in Cambodia, so Southeast Asia. I do primarily do work on monetary policy research in Cambodia, Laos, and Thailand. The thing is called Future Forum. Well, the name alone is exciting. <laughs> but, you know, I, I with that background, your friends that you've left in Barbados, I'm suggesting to you that you must take the charge up to help create a platform that that small entrepreneur can can generate a revenue for himself 
Because the whole idea of getting a job is not only comatose, but it's about <laughs> to die. And if the realities are that we've got some logistics issues in the Caribbean, I notice I said the Caribbean, but more than that, we have some issues regarding finance. How are we going to create a, a platform where the average man can put his product on the net, on the World Wide Web, and create revenue for himself? I've got a very simplistic view of this thing. I, I'm, I'm opening myself to your, your critique and analysis of it. But my feeling is, if we can create a platform where a million of our people in the Caribbean can earn 50 U.S. dollars a day selling something, we are moving $50 million to the Caribbean per day. At some point, we've got to accept and admit that it's victory. <laughs> but we've got to be able to facilitate this, this trade this 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 and uh, logistically and financially okay so i think this is might be a surprisingly long answer okay <laughs> i'm ready there there is a issue i guess people kind of refer as a, a specific structural market dilemma in the caribbean when it comes to no well, not in the caribbean but s- small countries that are not europe and america and canada where it comes to uh, internet payments so the problem is this. Obviously, you as a Barbadian, as a Barbadian, we have cash or we have bank account money. So in the, a single economy, it's obviously at every point in time, two different kinds of money that actually circulate. There's mm-hmm. the money from the central bank, which we call cash, so cash and coin. And also the money that commercial banks create, we call that deposit money. So deposit money is not a very good term, but because it's actually what it is, but actually a completely separate money already in the economy. Issue now is when you have a product that is being online, so it's not actually being paid for via Barbadian money in Barbados, you have it online. So someone who is not in Barbados has to use some other kind of money to get it from you. Mm-hmm. So that itself creates the actual market dilemma. Because they let's say they have Canadian dollars and you are in Barbados. Well, somehow that Canadian dollar has to get to Barbados and you have to accept it before you can even send the goods and hit that. So the way how money's moved from Canada to Barbados or any country is through something called correspondent banking. Where Money, let's say when you send from your account in Canada to, let's say, my account in Barbados, isn't like an email. It doesn't say go one hop, one the next hop. What happens is it actually passes through about, let's say, five different hops. Almost um, like five different actual banks, mm-hmm. including, let's say, both central banks as well. So it's actually quite a laborious process to get from one to the next. Obviously then, each step has the cost attached to it. That's why water is actually too expensive to get in and out of the Caribbean because you have to do a lot of hopping to go mm. around. And each hop has costs. So in, let's say, developing countries, some companies realize, yeah, this is actually quite laborious. Let's kind of figure out how to fix that issue a little bit. So PayPal, for example. PayPal was starting around 1998 or 99. And they said, well, what if we could actually connect people as like an email layer 
where they have their bank accounts kind of separate and it all goes to PayPal and then PayPal itself the institution would do the transfer because it was only one hop at that point mm-hmm. of course now the problem is that okay suppose now suppose you can say well why shouldn't I have a PayPal coin in Barbados and you have a PayPal coin in Canada and therefore if you send via PayPal to me in Barbados fix the solutions there the problem is that there are some other rules when it comes to sending money via PayPal, because PayPal is a, a company, I have to follow anti my laundry rules and different other, let's say, what I call regulatory compliance rules as well. All of these rules have costs. And as well, when you have to send money to, let's say, parts of the world that don't have large um, markets, mm-hmm. there's actually more expensive, because you know you call me a scale. It's more expensive to actually do money transfers in the Caribbean because very few people, very low liquidity. It, it, it causes more for PayPal to do that kind of interactions in the Caribbean. So more cost again. So again, we get to that point. That's something that's actually too prohibitively costly to even do that route. Obviously, then has to assume banks for in the Caribbean actually even allow you to actually have this PayPal connection. Again, there are more rules. And sometimes it's sometimes not worth it. And the bank's interests allow these sporadic non-companies to have these kind of accounts of money going in and out. Couple that again with Barbados does have capital controls. So it's actually not a very straightforward thing to actually move, let's say, a foreign currency in and out of Barbados. So you have all these colliding problems that kind of meet together to follow the market dilemma. And... The way to actually get past that is not actually build more layers on top of that dilemma, but completely dissolve the dilemma altogether and go a different route entirely. And if you go a different route entirely, then you meet on the issue of how to actually solve the structural risk issue in the Caribbean when it comes to finance. Well, I, I heard your whole, your long story, so to speak, as you said. My question to you. And my, our listeners want to know, what's the short answer? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can we embark on that short answer? I, I get what you've said. I understand a little bit about the Caribbean being a high-risk area. Uh, how the interaction with international banks demand that they de-risk certain jurisdictions and, and that kind of stuff. Our people must be able to trade on the world market. And it's very, it's almost ironic that the, pe- the uh, uh, people who need access or let's say easier access than those markets who have scale are the ones who are paying the highest price. And my question is, isn't there some way that the government can come in to step in to be um, uh, intermediary or some sort of a a facility to preclude that this small sector of society called the Caribbean getting access to cost-effective finance, if if I may call it that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you, you can look at the, the the selling of your product as finance, mm-hmm. but because as you said, because it is so expensive to do trade in the Caribbean, it really does cause a lot of 
challenges uh, or or our challenge really is this afternoon to discuss how are we going to get past these challenges because mm-hmm. we have to if not the sustainability of our people is at stake so I think he actually he answered actually mechanically straightforward now something could be mechanically straightforward and very still hard for it to, to implement so, mechanically straightforward in the sense that other countries have actually shown us the way to get past the issue. So, let's look at Barbados first, and then we can expand the Caribbean secondly. So, in Barbados' case, one of, one of the big issues is, is a lot of cash. So, cash centrism is a big issue in, in Barbados. Also, when you have cash centrism, then the actual, um, let's say, Structural risk, as in the total risk of the actual economy via free financial is higher. So it will be prudent to reduce the structural risk altogether because the structural risk reduces every other kind of risk. Prudently as well as well is. So currently, if you are in Barbados and you are sending money from, well, let's say you are sending money from one bank account, I say. Bank A to Bank B in Barbados is money goes through such a bank, more or less. Mm-hmm. And so there's a system called the ACH, the Alt, um, Auto Music Clearing House, and there's another system called the RTGS, is the Real Time Growth Settlement System. So there are two things these central banks, all central banks, will use to actually clear money and settle money throughout the economy. Um, some, well, some Sweden, for example, we'll talk about Sweden, maybe Singapore next or Malaysia. Sweden. What happened in Sweden is that over time, cash actually got so um, not popular. So Sweden has, I think, one of the least cash transaction rates in Europe. Actually, the world as well. When you say Uh, cash, you mean hard cash. Literally dollars and cents. Actual cash, yes. Mm -hmm. Cash, cash, cash. And they got... so People are using so little cash that many banks have stopped actually offering ATMs. And... The reason for that is because the obviously debit card, credit card thing has gotten much more popular in this week. Actually, when I was there, I was in a coffee shop and I gave the guy some Krona and he was like, oh, we don't take that here. It's very, very Ooh. funny. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's that, it's that little cash. When you actually open the cash register, like almost no cash you actually tell. Anyway, so what they did to, to kind of promote that even faster is that some of banks are a group of banks in Sweden. They got together and formed a company called Swish, um, where they took the ACH that the central bank, the Riksbank in Sweden uses, and opened it up to actually public and actually transact directly via the ACH, mm-hmm. and they call that app Swish. So from your phone, you can actually use the central bank's infrastructure to trade money and pass money so your, um, to other people peer to peer. So... Um, the reason for that is also the reason why that is good. I say if you use that system in Barbados, it will actually be using already existing architecture. Mm-hmm. You have some probably some you know stack improvements of it, but the architecture is there. The actual system logic is there. The rules are pretty much there already as well, and you will not have to have some new separate system. Mm-hmm. It's already a development you already have. Some other countries like Ecuador partially did this as well, where the Central Bank of Ecuador offered data currency issued from the Central Bank of Ecuador via your phone. That's one, uh, but that's kind of the kind of a way to kind of see how it works out. And then some other countries, like, let's say, India, 
their their central bank started a a sub company, and then they ran an entire new kind of um um jurisdiction wide settlement system. Also, we have instant payments between accounts in India. Accounts in India. It's an amazingly rapid developed thing in India. Sometimes they have like fifty thousand new accounts in one day. It's crazy. So, 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 so this is not something that's foreign. No, um, we we have the tech already. Um, well, mostly has the tech already. You just need some you know, some tweaks and so forth. Um, and you can have, for example, let's say, uh, you, uh, let's say, uh, let's say, uh, account system ran via ran from the central bank. So you don't pay any extra costs in actual commercial banks. Mm. Ran from the central banks. It could be let's say in conjunction with the commercial banks. Because they can they do have some rule playing. They do have own parts of the actual ACH in some things. Mm-hmm. And you have that system. And if that also becomes because a smartphone rate in birth as well over 100%, so that's not a big issue. If that does happen, then there becomes almost no reason to use cash. Cash becomes like a candle where if the power goes out, you put the candle <laughs> yeah. up. But you don't use it as, na- as natural. So it only be a, like a, an, emergency, an emergency type instrument. When you have that now in, in Barbados, then it's very, first of all, you can pay everything online directly from your phones and mm-hmm. computers and so forth. But then you have very little cash in the economy. So at that point, then the cash centrism actually very, very diminished and the structural risk goes down quite nicely. And in that case, in most, in what will likely happen is that things like international... Um, say Stripe and PayPal might usually have a less cost than to pay for those because they will be relating to that same that's that that infrastructure. That's right. That's right. So and and these and this is this is this becomes one of my my questions, and that's why I love to meet people like yourself who can dumb it down for somebody like me because I am bright. So I need to see. I I, I need to be presented the the the, the dumbed down version. So what I'm gathering from you is that if we could sell to all Barbadian people or all Caribbean people the need to reduce the use of cash and, and, and allure them and attract them to what the spinoffs are for a society that's using less cash and how it redounds to the benefit of the the very entrepreneur that we're trying to promote, I I don't I, I personally I don't see how or why the average Caribbean person wouldn't go for it. Now you see, I, I can tell you one of the things that I I've challenged for a while. I still I still go to the bank. I, mm. I don't have much to carry, <laughs> so it's very hard. It's expensive for me because I'm going to carry hundred dollars and stand up for an hour, so that's expensive. But the reality is. In the back of my head, I feel safe dealing with cash. When in fact, it is the very thing that is undermining the progression that we need to, uh, to, to get to. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I, I'm, I'm almost at a point where within, what, 15 minutes of us conversing, I get it. Mm-hmm. We've got to eradicate as much as we can, the use of cash in order to become less risky to the international monetary and financial institutions. Well, let's sell that to our people because it must become part of 
how are we going to enforce the sustainability of our people? Mm-hmm. Well, Rashid, then let's fix this. We got to fix this. And, and, and I know you're on your way back to the Philippines and all in Asia and, and, and you're going to have some of the best sushi and all the rest of that. <laughs> the reality is back home, we got issues mm-hmm. and we need people to, to, to put their hands up and bring some sort of energy to the table because I am I'm sold. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to have to now get all of my electronic payment schemes put together because mm-hmm. I now see the value. I really now see it. Well, firstly, I wouldn't say it's a dumb, dumb version. I actually think people honestly don't realize econ is applied common sense. It really isn't difficult to understand. Just that people normally aren't offered the opportunity to understand themselves. So you kind of have these kind of like um, uh, bad ideas kind of circulate. Let me explain it, you know, common sense-wise. It's pretty clear, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the reason why, I guess, a lot of it hasn't change much in the Caribbean is um, political priorities are always aligned with obviously what the private sector wants which is you know obvious I guess but the Caribbean has a lot of actual uh, Barbados other Caribbean countries have a lot of actual deep problems and I think because the administrations tend to want to you know have those issues sorted out first because it's hard to do concurrent planning I think that these things have been pushed, you know, to the wayside. I also think there's also, well, not think, there is as well, uh, I say, uh, a knowledge gap as well in the different administrations. That's not, you know, that's, they know that already, that's something they know already. Mm-hmm. I think those things have to kind of be filled out uh, first before you get, get this stuff moved in the correct way. Well, see, I, but yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, I, I often say this, you can't leave it to the government. We can't leave it to the government, but we can agitate in a way and not and I, I'm not I, I'm not thinking of agitating in it in, in, in an adversarial way. My my agitation is I'm I'm here to discuss the challenges and then let's fix it so that there's action being taken because there are lives that are at stake. There's sustainability. And, and you and I know very well when you come to it's, it's an economy, but there's also society. And that little boy that can't buy food or buy milk for his little son will do something that doesn't redound to the benefit of society. So just like as my, my contention is just like we're going to all start to use paper bags instead of plastic bags for the benefit of the not just the society, but the world at large. These 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 concepts need to be sold and, 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 and attractively so and presented to our people so that one, let's talk about the knowledge gap, that knowledge gap gets closer and smaller and smaller, and people respond in a positive way to the long-term benefits of being able to provide for yourself, being able to get access to capital or cash or well, not cash but capital or access to finance cost effectively. So that again, my one million people can earn fifty US per day. So there are there are private sector methods getting this done. So I guess I could use some Asian examples. Uh, obviously, I, I always um, hesitate to use China as an example of any other country because it's so large. Mm. So, but the the, the principle is the same in the sense that in China, 
um, in most major cities and some non, some like tier two, tier three cities also. They're like five tiers. Mm. And they're private companies. Um, I say Alibaba and Tencent, two large companies, um, you know, bigger than all but two American companies. Um, they have different payment platforms that you can use on your phone. And people in China, they use it for everything. Well, not obviously all of China, but big chunks of Chinese. So I can go to China, have my WeChat account, WeChat Pay, and go pay for food, my taxi, my rent, my, you know, driver, anything. Um, actually, people like beggars on the street have phones and QR codes. So you give them some money via your QR code. Yeah. Um, wow! So it's very, no, it's very like tech bagging. I like that. <laughs> you kind of see that. You kind of see that also. Yeah. So you have those. It's very, very um, dig- dig- digitized as well mm-hmm. in like China as being expanded to other like um, countries as well in Asia for sure. Um, as private sector. Now the issue or issue the reason why our public cloud is a huge market. So the Alipay. So Alipay. Uh, sorry. Well. Alipay is from a company called Ant Financial, which is a company that's spin off from a large company called Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Ant Financial, the private company, is over $150 billion valuation. It's the largest private company in the world. Uh, it's huge. Obviously huge. It's ridiculous. But yeah, they have this payment platform where you can do all these things. And obviously, when you have people actually paying now for all these um, things on the phone, you have this like mini companies that come up and like, these small like roadside vendors actually get more, can actually sell from different countries. So it's different um, parts of China. So they sell, get money on, get money from their phone. And then they have some like postal thing that actually sends the product back to the, you know, for like, you know, Beijing, Hangzhou, that kind of stuff. So it's not what you're saying happens already in you know, these places. So that's, why, that's what it looks like. Now, again, the reason why they could do it is because they have a larger market. It's not small. Else, you need the economy to actually become viable. Again, however, those payment companies didn't start as payment companies. It was spin-offs from extraordinarily large companies that did other things. Like um, payments from Tencent. Um, Love still had a lot of online gaming. Mm-hmm. And they had a platform for games. So, okay, we see the payment stuff going on. Then the payment stuff got very popular. Spin it off and have a whole payment thing separately. So... The market size is a huge, huge, huge important fact in why some, um, let's say, Roblox will come to the Caribbean. That being said, there are ways to do this if you have a banking partner and a private company that wants to do the, um, the two ways. One, that way, the private company will have a good partnership with a commercial bank and they will allow you know, to build out their online payment thing. What I think is a better way to do it is a private company would have builder systems and so forth to allow you to do this, well, like, so it's called a full reserve bank. So uh, a normal bank, a commercial bank, is called a fractional reserve bank. Mm-hmm. So all the money you put in, they don't actually keep 100% of it in the safe. They can load it out and, you know, their actual loan portfolio is much larger than the deposit portfolio and so forth, so forth. In a full reserve bank, however, you put in money, physical money or whatever, mm-hmm. it stays there, and then you can use, you can, and then use the actual platform to do payments and that stuff. That's how PayPal works, technically. Why it's not, sorry, practically. Technically, the one difference is PayPal. PayPal has to keep all of that money in a commercial bank. 
But the commercial banks keep their money where? In the central bank. So England, for example, last year, opened up the, the central bank's account to private payments companies, like uh, TransferWise is one company. So TransferWise is non-bank, a non-bank only, so only those payment services plug right into the commercial place, central bank in England. So they don't, they don't need to go through a commercial bank to actually offer their services. So if you have a private company in Barbados, for example, that has, you know, a good, robust tech system and plug directly into the central bank, then you have a very good way to kind of kickstart the whole payment. I can just ask you two questions. Okay. Wouldn't the credit unions be one of those that could plug in? One. Mm-hmm. And two. Why can't... Or, or, or let me ask the other question. Is it complicated for our smaller systems to relate to the big Alibabas if we could lower the risk in our smaller system? So I use Alibaba specifically for the principle at hand, mm-hmm. where you have a private company that offers payment things that a large portion of the population uses, and it wasn't actually influenced by government policy. Mm-hmm. That principle, that could be applied here. So in terms of the credit union, uh, well, the credit union is, they don't do, they have, you know, purposes, savings, that kind of stuff, loans, mortgages, whatever. Um, you don't really, that's not really what you want. You just want something that actually does payment services. So the, so your account has to be focused on just doing payment, your innovation of payments and so forth and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit okay. unions is a different model. So you want a PayPal, for example. A PayPal just plugs directly into the central bank. Like transferwise in England, for example. Well, that's, that's a clear example there. Well, I I, I, I I brought the credit unions up because I, the credit unions in the Caribbean are flush with money, and there's flush with local cash. That I'm I'm wondering why they don't step forward with their own construct of a payment concept that their own people. Well, they don't have these people to do it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a you know, it's, that's not that's not their business. So they probably have to start a whole new department, that kind of stuff, and hire staff. And <clears throat> first of all, people that know this stuff well, they're not going to take, you know, small salaries. That's not how it works. Um, is, is, this is, a, this, is, is this a confession? <laughs> it's just one of those things you need very top talent to build your tech properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a and also you got post stuff from outside. Also, then you've got to then got trainers here also. But it actually is a significant tech gap that you need to actually fill. That's why a private, a separate company actually forces yeah. on the contacts and networks to get that stuff happen. That's how you get that stuff. And there are many, uh, there are many companies out, elsewhere that kind of do this kind of, like Venmo in the, in the US and, you know, Swish in Sweden. Uh, there's some others also. Finland has one, also Russia has one. Rashid, I want to thank you for spending this time this afternoon to discuss something that is very dear to my heart. And I say that because, and I say this every time, I'm not going to back down from doing everything I can to, to enhance the sustainability of our people, to bring some light to the challenges we face in the Caribbean, But then more than that, the then let's together fix this. And it it involves people like yourself who 
have been to far-flung places, but operating in different economies, different economies of scale, but but seeing the Caribbean, looking, I don't want to say back at it, because I want you to be able to have to say, looking forward at it, because we have embraced what people like yourselves have brought back. You, we have embraced what you have taught us, what we've learned, what we are we're not attracted to. Because I, I can tell you from this interaction alone, and I know you won't be here long before you're back on your plane and gone again, I now see the value in being a lot more electronic with my finances. I tend to be old school. I'm, I, I, I still run the checkbook and I still this and that. I have an app on my phone and it's kind of, it's used every now and then mostly then. <laughs> but I see the value now in, in, in coming together to create that environment where Barbados can start to lose its riskiness. It becomes less risky to do business with. So that the very entrepreneur that I claim to love, and I, and I do, because I see it as the future of the Caribbean, can benefit. Again, Rashid, I can only tell you, thank you very much for sharing with our listeners some insight that I think we should all take to heart. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. I'd be happy to hear your thoughts on this episode. Simply join the discussion forum on our website, rdleagle.com. You can also contact me at callis at rdleagle.com. See you next time. Then let's fix it. There's so much more to discuss and do it.